are listening to a bossy short with uh, Lisa Schoeninger and Julia Dumay. Welcome back, Jules. Yay! Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad to have you back. Uh, today we're going to talk about something that's a little—it's a little different. Uh, there was something that came up over the last week or two where um, Twitch TV was had a stream of all Bob Ross. Um, if you—I don't know if you remember, but uh, Bob Ross was the Bob public. Ross television painter yes, he's great uh, happy yeah, trees, happy the happy little trees, trees the happy little yeah. trees happy accidents um just a very soothing uh calming positive uh presence where he would he would paint a, a painting in a half an hour for you right yeah and sometimes he'd bring his little animal friends into the studio he rescued uh wild animals uh, i remember squirrels a lot but he would occasionally have like um a cat or uh, some other type of woodland creature that he like hand rescued. I, he yeah, seemed like a really delightful, lovely man. Uh, very calm, uh, very very positive. Uh, his message was always, "You can do anything. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. If you make a mistake, you can turn that into something." Yeah, might have. You know, um, nothing's ever really a mistake. It's just something that happened. So, um, it was kind of interesting. Like for like two or three days, it was Bob Ross was trending on Twitter. Uh. <laughs> People were talking about remembering watching it like as a kid or, you know, in college. And um, the Twitch TV stream had this huge number of viewers. Like people were really tuning into this. And I I mentioned it to, to Jules um, that I saw a tweet go by that was the popularity of the Twitch stream was kind of an indicator potentially that people are looking for positive content. Um yeah. Which is kind of, we've talked about that a little bit yeah. um, in previous episodes about, like, irony feels like it's kind of on the wane. Yeah. Like, there was a really positive experiences. and To tie it together with a recent short, a recent long episode and a recent short, um, you know, we talked about it a little with The Martian that I, you know, read and we discussed a bit this concept that The Martian is a film without a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, in a recent short, we mentioned, um, oh, dang, I'm completely blanking on what it was now, which short it was. I'm like, I, this was really important. We do so many. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Um, yeah, but we just, we talked about, you know, it's this film without a villain and, uh, Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, it's just really pleasant, really enjoyable, really kind of calming and, and still, exciting in a lot of yeah. ways well there's a uh, tying it specifically to the martian i think one of the things we said we both enjoyed about it was like it had that really positive outlook like this is, oh yeah these are the things that people can do when they work together yeah right when they have a common goal when decency is the thing that people are striving for. yes um yeah and i i think that bob ross like that hunger for something positive and genuine kind of ties into it because we've talked about it before with dystopias like we're kind of over dystopias at this point yeah like, stop showing me how we're destroying like, i ourselves. get it yeah i get yeah, it start showing me how we're gonna start saving how can ourselves. we save ourselves yeah you know and it yeah. also comes back i think um the thing i thought of specifically when i sent that to you was uh, one of the reviews that I saw of Hamilton of the cast. Yes, the, that's the, the other show. one I was, was going it? to okay. mention. Yes, yeah. Hamilton. About how irony is dead. Like this I, is, I don't. Hamilton is 100% uh, like balls ahead. Like, if I can I say it, it's almost. I'm excited about. It's almost yeah. ironic that I forgot it because it's been <laughs> sort of my, the only thing I've been listening to for mm-hmm. the last week or so. Like, uh, last 
month, really, last two or three weeks, really. It's been yeah. all Hamilton all the time, and oh, I, yeah. I'm going to spoil, um, fortunately, I don't think either of my parents will hear it in the few hours before my dad's birthday celebration that, you know, I basically just kind of threw my all my financial responsibility to the wind and got mm-hmm. my dad Hamilton tickets for his Yay. birthday and for my mom his and my mom's like birthday and Christmas holiday celebrations in one so I'm like it's it's just been my life has been like all Hamilton all the time yeah. the past couple weeks so there well, there yeah, we go yeah. some irony that, congratulations to your father and your mother because that is fantastic That's yeah a great gift uh, so yeah, but I think, I think the popularity of Hamilton yeah. speaks to this hunger for, for positive, genuine Yeah, you know, well. I, I, that's the exact review I was thinking of. It's yeah. that review of Hamilton where they say, you know, it really is, even insofar as there is a villain, um, I would say it's not Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron Burr is the antagonist, but it's a very very sympathetic show to oh, him. Yeah. Like the show is ex- like I think Lin-Manuel Miranda was mentioned in an interview that he was sort of torn between whether he would play Hamilton or Burr. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it's there's it's just a very very positive thing and yeah, it's the same thing with this and and Bob Ross is just such a positive you know a lot of he's sort of a joke in some ways but Mm -hmm. a very fond joke like even when people make jokes about bob ross it's very much it's very very gentle yeah like i i there was definitely a period in my life where bob ross was a punchline um you know where you nobody watched it Mm. because they enjoyed it or if they did they they didn't say that they did but, like, the older I get, the more I appreciate what it was that he was doing and what he was putting out into the world. And the fact that we still can access that, like, long after he's he's dead. Um, like, there is no new Bob Ross content coming, but it, it feels like you kind of rediscover that. And, like, there's a point in my life at which I decided, like, there there's no more of this enjoying something ironically. Like, yeah. you enjoy something or you don't enjoy it. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, you can hate watch something, but that's not the same as, as enjoying it. Yes. We may have to do a long episode on the difference between hate watching and ironic yeah. watching. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm up for that. Uh, but like, I just, like, I don't want to make excuses for the things that I like. If I like something, I like it. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And so like, Bob Ross kind of fits into the same sort of sphere of, of entertainment as like Mr. Rogers, where like, there's literally Ugh. nothing but positivity that Ugh. comes out of watching both of those things. Mr. Um, Rogers. Yeah. yeah. Like if I, 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 I'm Jewish, so we don't really have saints, but if we were mm-hmm. going to have saints, Mr. Oh, Rogers, yeah. he's oh, not Jewish. I, I don't think that. he's Catholic, but no, he would be a I, saint. I think, yeah, I, the same way. Cause like all he wanted to do was like to be a positive influence in the world. Um, and he specifically said that, like, this, my job is to um, reach out to the children who might not have that yeah. kind of an influence in their life, um, which is such, like, a noble, and, a noble pursuit. And, and that's just... very much, that's very similar to Bob Ross's perspective, almost. You know, there's mm-hmm. this great quote um, that he spent a lot of time in the Air Force, and he was a master sergeant when mm-hmm. he retired from the Air Force, and... 
I'm trying to, I just dug up the exact quote, like, as we were talking, I'm like, I need that. And he said, you know, in an interview, I was the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work. And that job required me to be a really mean, tough person. And I was fed up with it. And Mm -hmm. when he retired from the Air Force, he allegedly vowed never to scream again. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, it, I'm like, that's really just, that's such a, you know, there's, there's almost, I'm going to get really, really deep here. Well, for us anyway, for me, <laughs> um, there's sort of this tendency in art, I feel like, and you can kind of tell when someone is a young artist because they, um, want to throw as much like darkness as possible mm-hmm. into their work. And there's a lovely, essay by Meg Cabot about this, the author of The Princess Diaries, who um, she mentioned, you know, taking a, a college class as a t- college creative writing class. And uh, like everybody, every week, everyone would have some really moving, depressing story mm-hmm. um, about Vietnam vets or family members deaths or terminal illness um and she mentioned she was like i found out later that uh right college uh college instructors have a one of my one of my professors wrote a poem about this phenomenon that involves like (laughs) my grandmother is my grandmother the vietnam vet is terminally (laughs) ill and she's covered with mucus oh god um and her sort of con her feelings of conflict as somebody whose skills mainly tended towards lightness towards comedy mm-hmm. um and she said you know i one day i got sick of it and said okay i'm going to write something serious um and my previous the previous work i'd share workshop piece i'd shared had involved and was a musical about the iran contra scandal oh called who wants to buy a bomb and there was a the a line about the uh the rebel leaders faithful dog and i was like i but that's that's not gonna that's not serious literature mm-hmm. um and so she wrote a poem about a or a uh, short story about a Vietnam vet, and it was very depressing and grim. And she was like, I think it was called Broken Moon. And oh. I'm like, you can tell immediately. And she was like, I shared it with the class, and I was really disappointed. I was just heartbroken by sort of the responses I got. People were like, well, what about Juan, the faithful dog? And mm-hmm. from the last week, and all these pieces, all these different pieces, they were like, I, I didn't like it. And she was like, I was sort of teary, although that might have also been because things weren't working out with my current makeout buddy. But <laughs> the professor pulled me aside and said, you know, it's a very easy thing to make people cry. If I wanted to make you cry right now, I could do it. But making people happy making them laugh that is very very difficult you are never gonna if you have a gift for that you need to take that for all it's worth oh fantastic um yeah i got a little off subject there from bob ross but i but no that's i think that's of a piece yeah piece of advice because not everybody 
I, and I, 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 I like what you had to say about um, young people seem to gravitate to where these really yeah topics and like you want to be gritty and like Real. you feel like you're making a contribution but that's not the only way you can make a contribution oh my gosh and sometimes yeah. like i i we when we talked about bond in uh the long episode um i mentioned that like there's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie but the thing that really made an impact on me was q making a little like a little moment of levity like, yeah that's the kind of thing that sticks with me personally um so to know that there are people out there who like that's their goal is to you know have that moment where you laugh or or you have a positive feeling. Um, yeah, I think that's really important. I'm really glad that first of all that Meg Cabot's professor told her that. Like, yeah, because think about you know Meg Cabot going off to write like these really bleak. Oh uh, yeah, there's this really in fact lovely moment I think where she calls back to that deliberately in I believe like the last or next to last Princess Diary story. Um, and where Mia is talking about her romance novel that she's been working on and uh-huh. her boyfriend at the time is kind of disparaging about it. And it's like, Mia, you're so much better than this. You can do so much better than this. And, oh, you know, and she's meanwhile thinking about her true love, Michael, the true love of the story who's she who she broke up with a couple years ago and has gone off and created this brilliant like robot arm for surgery and she's feeling really bad about herself and is talking with Michael and he's like well you know yeah I created this but that's sort of where my interests lie with you know computers and engineering and you know your strengths are with that and while my robot arm is working on somebody your novel may be in a waiting room making somebody feel a little better during one of the Mm -hmm. most stressful days of their life while their loved one is under the knife. And that's not a small thing. Just because funny books don't win awards doesn't mean they're not important. Yeah. um, And I think, I think that's something that's becoming a little more prominent now. Yes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of creators who are out there making that same kind of a statement. Like, what I want to put into the world is positivity instead of negativity. And uh, which actually, yeah. there's, I want to recommend something to you. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Um, the new Aziz Ansari yes, series, I, Master of None. I have to watch that. I've got that like uh, on my list. I haven't had a yeah. chance yet, but it sounds really cool. I, I, started it last night and tore through it and it is so good and that's one of the things that Aziz has said uh for this and then he had that that comedy special um and explores similar themes you can yeah. see the development of some of those into things in the in the show um but like that's a thing that he said like he's out there he wants to tell like real stories like genuine stories about you know like a 20-something or a 30-something who's out there dating, who's out there, you know, watching their friends become successful when they necessarily, not as, they have not necessarily had the same level of success mm. and kind of feeling left behind as people go off and get married and have children and have careers and things. Um, and so what he's looking for is sort of like that thread um, that, you know, like what keeps people going, what, what do oh, you do wow. in the meantime? Oh, I'm people... so on board for that. I was yeah. already on board for it because I was like, Aziz, I'm sorry. And what I've heard is really <laughs> interesting. All right. And it's really... But oh my gosh, as you meant describe it to me that way, I'm like, oh my God, I'm sold. Like, it's, it's so good. Oh. And he also specifically deals with 
the experience of being the child of immigrants. Yeah. Like, that's a big... That's mostly a, what I heard through about the series and, then, and was intriguing me about it. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. One episode in particular um, really, really gets in there and, and deals with that. Um, and what I found really interesting was... Uh, he cast his own parents. Yeah. Parents in the show. Yeah. His parents are not actors. And it's, it's, I mean, I don't think it's being cruel to say it's obvious that they're not actors. They're, um, but they're very delightful. Yeah. In the show. And I mean, like there's that, you can tell like the relationship that exists between them. Um, and I wondered how difficult it was to keep from breaking. Yeah. Sometimes. Well, he's, he's mentioned. opposite his father. I already yeah. read a quote where he was like, yeah, my dad is becoming sort of an internet sensation. Yeah. <laughs> because of this show. His parents are really, really good in it. I just, it's, uh, and it's another like aspect of positivity. And Aziz Ansari could sit back and say, I'm not getting these parts. I'm not getting these roles. I'm not getting the opportunities because yeah. of my skin color. Yeah. Because of my heritage, because of who my parents are. Um, you know, and then I'm also not getting these roles because I'm not willing to do, uh, what Hollywood thinks I should do, mm. like put on the accents, put on the demeanor. Yeah. Um, and he deals with that really explicitly in the show, but then at the same time, he's also out there, he's out there making something himself. Yeah. And sitting back and waiting. I mean, that for something was. to come to him, which is, I mean, the whole thing is just fantastic. To bring it back sort of... to our current mutual obsession, it was, um, <laughs> I like, again, I read, I've just been sort of, I think when we did our Hamilton episode, I mentioned I'd listened to a little bit of it. And yeah, that was a few weeks ago. And now I'm just sort of mid-obsession with it. And um I'm like, oh, let me tell you, if you will sit still long enough, I'll tell you some interesting facts about Hamilton uh-huh. and the production. Um But yeah, that was like a moment Lin-Manuel Miranda had where he was... That was the other thing where he was trying to decide whether he wanted to be Aaron Burr or Alexander Hamilton in this show. Uh And he mentioned, like, there are so few, the only way I'm going to see a character like me in the lead is if I do it myself. Um, Yeah. And I'm also, to bring it back to another recent episode, um, The Martian, you know, I was delighted by Donald Glover's like small part because I felt like the character he played I'm like was not particularly unusual in terms of like the brilliant genius who is a little weird and eccentric the eccentric genius kid but it's really really rare to see a black guy playing that role Mm -hmm. um and I remember there was this Mark Marin's entire interview with Donald Glover was mind-blowing for me for a number of reasons, but one of the things he mentioned at the time, it was a couple years ago, um, and he said, you know, when I first got on Community, me and, um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy's name who plays Op-Ed now, um, on Community, but he was like, the two of us were talking, and I was like, yeah, I keep getting auditions for thugs and the black best friend at best yeah. in, like, movies. And he was like, yeah, um, oh, I feel bad now, because uh, his name is on the tip of my tongue, the guy who plays Abed. But, um... I, you know I can't do... Yeah, uh... <laughs> I can't do names of... It, it, uh, yeah, he was like... Danny well, Pudi. Danny Pudi, that's it. Thank you. I feel so bad. I'm like, why am I? Oh, it's been a couple of years. I've infected you. I'm so it, sorry. Well, it's been a couple of years since I was really into community. So, but I remember Donald Glover because those abs, <laughs> man. Um, 
But yeah, they were t- he and Danny Pudi were talking, and Danny Pudi was like, "Yeah, every role I get is just terrorist and mm-hmm. Middle Eastern guy and and terrorist and and various terrorists and convenience store owners." And Donald right. Glover was like, "Yeah, every role I get is uh, thugs and the black best friend." So um, it was really exciting for both of them to just be able to do something new and interesting yeah and i feel like i was thinking of this um and i feel like more and more these days we see a lot more in the way of dramedies of shows where you don't really you have a hard time drawing the line between a drama or a comedy you know Mm -hmm. a lot we mentioned this earlier um that a lot of showrunners and movie makers seem to be getting the idea that a little levity will do a lot mm-hmm. and i find it also just works on you know a structural level um just the contrast a, a really funny show having a really serious moment um or even just really really serious subtext we've talked about uh the unbreakable kimmy schmidt mm-hmm. a bit um and that's one of these shows where there's some really, really dark subtext going on, but it's also a really, really funny show, and the funny moments become all the more interesting and meaningful and poignant. Yeah. Because you have this dark subtext, and it's never treated like, it's never given the full SVU treatment, basically. Right. You know, right. it's a comedy through and through, and there are these hints at something really, really dark going on, but it's still a real, and those hints just do a lot more to mm-hmm. make it meaningful and and emotional than a full drama would um and i have not watched but i've heard a lot including from my mom who started watching it about transparent on amazon Mm -hmm. for which jeffrey tambor recently of course won an emmy right um which is sort of similar in a lot of ways of a lot of comic moments that no one's quite sure where it belongs and it's not entirely surprising it couldn't find a home on broadcast because no one's quite sure whether it's a comedy or drama yeah i and i have not seen transparent yet either but it's one of those that i've heard a lot about Hmm. like it 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 goes for like you can i don't know how to phrase it but it feels like it's going for like being that sort of uh positive thing yeah. out in the world right yeah like um instead of going for like it could go for really really dark really and gritty grim and, it could be so yeah. so grim i'm like oh my gosh middle-aged guy transitioning right and realizing she's actually a woman and transitioning that could be mm-hmm. so grim and depressing and miserable right right but they decided to go for like Air on the side of positivity. Don't shy away from from those darker moments, but like overall, you it tends more towards the comedy than than the drama, from what I understand. Mm. And I I feel like um, I personally recently um, have been gravitating. Like I'm I love the gritty. I love reading like murder mysteries. I like true crime. Um, those are things that I find really interesting to read. But I if I have a choice. 
I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pick up a comedy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to pick up a romance novel. Same. I'm going to pick up a beloved old favorite oh, right now who makes it out yes. alive. Um, like there's just so much in the world that brings you down um, that like in my downtime, I want to find things that like uplift. You know, um, it's, it's funny. Cause even when I go for darker stuff, it's mm-hmm. like completely over the top. Um, American horror story, for instance, I, again, my mom and I were talking about this cause my mom recently mentioned being interested in watching it. And I got to tell you, if you had asked me to come up with like, a list of things on Netflix that I I thought my mom might binge watch next. American uh-huh. Horror Story would have been like at the absolute bottom of the list. <laughs> I never would have guessed that, but it we ended up what binge watching the first season in the space of like two days, and and we were talking, and she was like, you know, it's so over the top, yeah. and again, everybody gets a very satisfying ending. Um, if they're terrible, they get a terrible, a suitably terrible ending for them. Um, and if they're good, they get a suitably good ending. And, uh, mm-hmm. I just, I think that's interesting because I'm, I'm similarly to you. Um, and it popped into my head because you mentioned that I'm, I am not really into super dark and gritty stuff. Um, as I think we've established on this show, basically, yeah. I will sort of do everything I can to avoid <laughs> super dark, gritty stuff. Um, like I was, like the bright side almost of the Sicario, um, of, yeah, was it, it was unfortunate, you know, I had some personal stuff going on and, and then my cat died in the middle of all this personal stuff and I just couldn't yeah. deal with it. And I was like, God, I, you were really nice about it because I was like, I don't think I can deal with Sicario from what I've heard yeah, I, about grim, and I totally depressing, understand. intense, gritty. And uh so the one, like, when I do go for that, it's going to be like super extreme American horror story, which is almost right. a parody of itself, of gritty, dark horror. Well, you brought up Sicario and that's really interesting because I felt, I feel like, like, that hit me hard. Mm. I don't know if you've listened to the episode mm. uh, with Lisa, but, um, like, it really got under my skin. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because I haven't been seeking out that kind of content yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it hit me a lot harder than it normally would have. Like, if I, maybe a year or two ago, if it had come out then, I wouldn't have been, mm. you know, blink, I wouldn't have blinked an eye at it. But now, like, it's so out of step with everything else that I'm trying to, like, consume. Um, and it, it, it really did. It, I saw somebody on Tumblr, their tag for Sicario was a gut punch of a movie. Yeah. It really, really was. Like, um, I actually went and saw it again after Ugh. we recorded that show. And I, You're a I, Viking. <laughs> Damn. It's, it's really, like, I just, there's just something about it that I think runs counter to the whole positivity thing. Mm. Um, So it's like, you know, so out of step with what I've But it's the same thing, like, if you're gonna go for something that's not positive go all the way yeah <laughs> same thing well, as yeah, with me in american I, horror story i just think, like yes let's go from zero yeah. to a hundred well the thing about sicario is i feel like the main character uh like her her worldview gets really sort mm-hmm. of shifted around um 
We've talked about the yeah, movie. like we've talked about movies without he- villains, and this is sort yeah. of in some ways a movie without a hero. In some yeah, ways. exactly. That's exactly what it is. So it's it's just really interesting to like kind of examine it through this lens of you know there is no hero, like there is no right way to do something. Mm-hmm. There is no you're there's implicit no way to win, in something. Basically. Yeah, whatever you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Which was exactly the reason I couldn't see it because yeah. I was like I the situation I've been in personally I can't I can't deal yeah. with that but yeah I'm like that it's a shame because that sounded kind of intriguing I was like that's and I'm used to even in so far as I'm used to seeing that movie I'm not used to seeing it with a woman which is right. cool and as I understand reading about it like it was written for a man originally mm-hmm. um, and everybody sort of had to fight to get a woman in the the lead role yeah and then I would be interested uh, when you feel like you're in a place that you can watch that to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, because I think you and I are on the same kind of, like you just said, like we're trying to stay on the positive side and it's only like you only invert that when it's really, really over the top. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like Sicario is about as, as opposite as you can possibly get. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it runs counter to like something like, like a Bond movie where you are supposed to be rooting for somebody the whole time. There are very, very defined, yeah, yeah, very clear-cut roles of who's good and who's bad. Although um, I did read a very interesting. This is, I think, from I've mentioned it before, but the Vulture review of Spectre, where they said, you know, the Craig Bond movies have not had those big uh, cathartic moments of the villain dying so much right like that hasn't been a thing in the craig movies and that's explicitly averted in specter almost yeah yeah you know even with the within the formula there's still some uh variation but Mm -hmm. yeah that formula we've talked a lot about I, I don't, we haven't done a full romance novel episode. We're going to have to at some point. Oh, we definitely have but to. But the formula can be satisfying in the same way. Um, I don't know, when you were watching uh, Spectre, did you get a trailer for Creed? No, I didn't get a trailer oh, for Creed. Oh, that looks interesting. And I say that as I'm... someone who does not like boxing movies creed looks really interesting i'm really excited for creed i am i really oh my gosh and michael b jordan has not aged since i first saw him he's still pretty young i say that like he's paul rudd who's like 40 and not aging but michael b jordan i mean he's probably what i'm i'm having to look it up now but mid-20s yeah at least yeah and he has just not aged at all, I feel like, since I've... He, 87. He's two years younger than me. Okay. So, I'm... I mean, I'm 30. So, he's 28. I'm like, he just has not aged at all since I first saw him. And now he's... I, I'm so jazzed for... I am really excited Oh, to my see gosh. That, Creed. Oh. Yeah. We're going to have to have a full episode on that, clearly. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm... Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean... Uh, I could do a full episode on any Rocky outing. Yeah, by well, itself. yeah, <laughs> but it's just, I'm, it's the yeah. same. You've got that formula, mm-hmm. but I'm interested to see how they play with the formula in this one. And I, you know, we talked about this a little with Spectre of just, there's something comforting about a formula where even at the worst, 
it's still not going to be terrible in shocking ways. Right. Even if it's right. bad, you're still going to be like, well, that was bad, but within certain boundaries. Right. I still got the car. I still got the nice clothes. Exactly. Yeah. If it's a bad James Bond movie, you're still going to get, yeah, a cool car, some nice clothes, a pretty woman, and yeah. uh, hopefully a sexy man getting partly, <laughs> you know, part naked as well. Um, to show off that fake third nipple. <laughs> Yes, yes, the fake third nipple. Um, God love the Roger. Oh, bless him. <laughs> oh man, good times. Um, and and again, like that's a wonderful thing about that was a great thing about Casino Royale was that the iconic moment of a sexy person coming out of the surf in a tight swimsuit was Bond himself. Right. Coming right. out of the surf in like not quite a speedo, but like skin tight briefs, basically. Mm -hmm. Skin tight boxer brief type speedo type swimsuit. So yeah, so even within the formula, there's something very comforting. But also I don't know. Comforting sounds so condescending. Um, there's something yeah. really positive, I think, and affirming of like, okay, yeah. there are things well, I can count on. Exactly. You know, there are, there are things that I know that I like, and there are things that the filmmaker knows that mm -hmm. I like. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it can feel like pandering sometimes, but a lot of the time it's just like, um, you know, going in, like, there aren't going to be, like, huge surprises. Yeah. Like, even if they subvert, you're still going to recognize you're still gonna what the get plot point some, is. And you're going to see yeah. why this is subversive. Right. Um, You know, which I think is an important point when you're writing something that subverts all the tropes. Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, you have to be a fan of those things in order to understand why this is subversive. Right. You know, that's a good point because I think a lot of the times when it fails, when subversion fails, it's because it's being, like, the person is coming from not necessarily a place of contempt, but obviously not a place of deep love for, yeah. you know, whatever deep the, love, the, deep the unsubverted. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, that's why, yeah. that's what makes game, the books, Song of Ice and Fire, so interesting is that they do take a lot of these high fantasy tropes and mm -hmm. subvert them and they're very clearly coming from a place of someone who loves them like George right. R. R. Martin God bless him he's so cranky <laughs> and terrible and he hates so much of like his yeah. fan base specifically because they don't get what he's subverting um, uh, you know that also ties into a disappointment we've talked about before with the Star Wars, the J.J. Abrams Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Trek movies. Mm, um, yeah, where it's obvious that he does not come from a place of loving no. the original. Like he's he's, he's a Star on record Wars to say guy. He doesn't understand it. He's yeah. a Star Wars guy, which makes you optimistic about his take on Star Wars, but does not make him suitable for Star Trek. Yeah, right, exactly. Because he does yeah. not get what makes Star Trek. Well, because you can Trek. feel it when the source, excuse me, when the new material comes from a place of enjoyment of the original. Yeah. And where the subversion becomes like, I want to fix something that I've seen. Which yeah. Which is, I think, you, we both, I think, are attracted to fandom because of that. Because, yeah. Like, oh, gosh. Yeah. 
fandom isn't just like i want i mean a lot of the time granted it's i want these two characters to make out right um but it's also coming from a place of i have this very deep love and appreciation for the source material but there are these things that i think can be fixed yeah um there's these things that i want to try fixing and there's different themes that i want to explore that the original doesn't and i think like that's where fandom operates is in that space between like um there isn't a whole lot of you see a lot of disappointment, like something that feels perfect in yeah. the source material doesn't get a big fandom. And there's often a lot of disappointment because of that. But like, there are no places where you can latch on and kind of try and like yeah. fix it. You know? Like a really brilliant Fixing movie wrong, generally but... doesn't get a big fandom because mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of corners that you can go in. There aren't a lot of loose plot threads that you can right. say, what if, what if this might right. differently? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and you're right a little bit right. from the original point there. That's all right. <laughs> so really we're getting into an interesting discussion about joy yeah. and where you find your enjoyment of things. Um, I'm just, I'm just so grateful to the creators who go out and make things because of that joy. Because yeah, I want to share that with everybody else. Yeah, um, you know, and and yeah, Bob Ross is. We've talked a bit about comfort food in the past. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about it, I think, actually. I dare say. Um, <laughs> and I think Bob Ross, even not having seen a ton of him for me, he's still one of those things where even when he was a punchline, I didn't really like it. Even not mm-hmm. having seen a ton of him um straightforward just Bob Ross I didn't really enjoy a lot of the jokes that were at his expense because it was a very it was punching down it felt like yeah um and it was it felt you know he's just a very positive person who's trying to to make up for sort of the he's mentioned he mentions mentioned trying to get my tenses right um in an interview where he's like i'm trying to make up for that for being the really scary negative person um i'm trying to deliberately be the same sort of mr rogers type of Mm -hmm. um trying to put something positive out there and uh like you know it's very easy to make fun of that but it really is a pretty awesome thing you know it's sort of why i don't like a lot of deliberate Muppet subversions, almost Muppet parodies. Cause yeah. I'm like, you know, the Muppets were kind of great and Jim Henson, oh, so much. Like you can just throw a random Jim Henson quote at me and I will probably start weeping. Um, that same public television spirit of yeah. just sort of this is for everyone. It's the same reason I started weeping during the uh London opening ceremonies to the Olympics. Yeah. Oh my god, when they did the I'm like, first of all, they did an entire sequence that was children's literature plus the NHS all in one <laughs> dance number. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, I 
they have Peter J.K. Rowling reading from Peter Pan in a tribute to initially children's literature that turns into a tribute to the NHS. Right. I I was like tears bawling. I was just bawling openly. Um, but then later there's a quote where they say this is for everyone at a moment like I think everyone spells out in the stadium during the opening ceremonies. This is for everyone, and I just again weeping openly weeping um because i'm like you know the same the public television spirit with mr rogers and bob ross and jim henson of just this should be for everybody yeah yeah i totally agree that's that's where i start weeping on public television apparently we mentioned (laughs) Our contest was what part of the Martian did Lisa cry at? And we don't even need a contest. What on public television makes Jules cry? (laughs) Trick question, all of public television. The very concept of public television (laughs) makes Jules weep, apparently. Um, But just that positive, that determination to do something positive and put Mm -hmm. something positive out there in the world just really gets to me. Yeah. I'm actually going to, I'm going to close this out with, uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to, um, Mr. Rogers' testimony to Congress oh about the importance gosh, of public I television. Can't. No, back can't. in the day. Is that going to yeah. be up there with the story of when his car was stolen? Yes. Oh my uh, God. Which, I'll link, I, I, I'll link I to that as well. Nope. Because can't, can't do it. Can't do it. If you doubt, if you doubt the importance of positivity, uh, oh, in life. Listeners, um, when this Those week, two things oh, will convince you. Contest. Everything. For no <laughs> prizes. When did Jules start weeping in this episode? Was it in the episode notes when Lisa linked to Mr. <laughs> Rogers' congressional testimony? Yes, it was. Don't even get me started on how Sesame Street is on HBO now. Thank yeah. you, Jules out. All right. All right. And on that <laughs> note, <laughs> uh, well, we said this was a short, but it is now, nope. it is now a long. It's a full episode. So All my uh, public can, television if, feelings. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. So um, we could spin off a whole series just on public television feeling. Oh my god. Uh, if you have any thoughts about positivity or if you have a recommendation for us to check out, something that's made a positive impact yes! on you. Yes. Uh, we're always in the mood for that. So you can hit us up on the website at realbossybritches.com. We're on Twitter and Tumblr at Britches Podcast. And we're on Facebook at some indeterminate location <laughs> that you can find us by searching. <laughs> Bossy britches. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bossy britches. We, uh, you can also we are get both. us on email. Oh, yeah. uh, info at realbossybritches.com or leave comments on the website like I mentioned before probably. I'm just going to go in circles here. We are uh, both so web professionals. And- Tell us what's our yeah. Facebook address. Thank you. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Tell us where the <laughs> page is. We are and, web uh, professionals. We will talk to you next time. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>